0: Steve. Chinch looks like he's dressed in preparation for helping you move house. Well you see I'm trying to you can see I'm trying to get some tan on my shoulders because you can see from my t shirt line, so I've cut the sleeves off an old super dry t shirt to make to make a, a wife beater. Is that what they're called?
1: That <laughs> is what they're called. Well no, a wife beater is a string vest, isn't it?
0: Oh, okay. Like I'm You are wearing a singlet. I am. I am. I'm wearing it set with great style. If uh, had if Chinch had
2: an accent that was suitable genuinely he would be exactly physically a replica of a redneck
0: if i had the accent if i had a truck if i had some beer and a gun in my truck that's what you want that kind of accent don't you that's a good that's a good voice for reacher. It's not for reacher but for a character in reacher because there's lots of that type of people that reach your headbutts could you maybe get a confederate flag tattooed on one of those biceps chinch <laughs> i could i could i could give it a damn good go steve it's
1: it's really interesting though because it just shows that chinch is a is a you know is an, an affluent man sitting in an affluent part of cheshire and yet the moment he dons a singlet he looks like a lout
0: well do i yes a lout
1: a lout a yob i don't like
0: a lout a yob should, should see what i'm wearing down below or not wearing down below it really completes the look
1: have and you be um, wearing a singlet down below as well <laughs> Did have we all seen the new series of Partridge?
0: Yes, uh, all but yet. one,
1: all but the last one. Have we seen the one with the interview that he does and the the nudity? Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. That Kate, the pussy, Kate the pussy Riot.
1: Kate, no, no, not that one with the oh. um, with with the historian. Oh no! In that case, I haven't got round. Oh no. That. no. Well, Hugh, you've got a treat in store. It was dubbed by no less an authority than Kate, my wife, as the funniest bit of television she has seen in eight well, years.
0: Just describe what? What did he? He interviewed.
1: He interviewed a royal family, a royal historian.
0: Oh, is it the guy with his backside in the mirror? Yeah. Yes, I showed. I yeah, yeah. showed uh, Nikki. Nikki did. She hates Partridge, but she loved that. So he just yeah. ruined it for everybody. Because that's is... you know, very funny. yes. Both
2: both Rory and Chinch's wives have very. Different tastes when it comes to comedy. So the fact that that has married up, yep. that has crossed that divide, I find that significant.
1: Yep. It, yeah. I mean, it was Kate was was in bulk, as they say. She was in paroxysms of laughter. Just, <laughs> <laughs> she's a very simple creature.
2: This is Set Piece Money, the podcast for four friends talk football over food. I'm Hugh Ferris. Joining me are Rory Smith, the kind of floppy-haired handsome that gets the intelligent girls, Stephen Wyeth, the kind of deep-voiced handsome that gets the serious girls, and Annie Hinchcliffe, the kind of seven-cap handsome that gets not one but two wives, although not at the same time. That's an eight and above <laughs> kind of thing. Um, does anybody have any food they want to share? Uh, do you want to hear about my Coco Loco? Yes, please. What
0: do you think Coco Loco is?
1: Shampoo? Food.
0: Is it food or drink? No, it's not shampoo. You clown. Do, it's, dog, dog shampoo. No, <laughs> dog shampoo. I haven't got any more dogs anymore. They're both dead. Uh, is it a
3: hot? Is it hot chocolate with a shot of something in it?
0: It's a drink. It's it's a post-workout drink, Stephen. I'm surprised you haven't heard of this. Coco Loco with peanut butter and a protein shot. Bananas in there. I think there's guava. I think there's there's everything in there. But it's Coco Loco. I always have. A Coco Loco post-workout. Excellent, excellent value for money and nutritious.
2: Is there anything to do with madness there? Because Rory, as a Spanish speaker, will tell you that loco means madness. Mad.
1: Well, stri- strictly speaking, Coco Loco means crazy coconut.
0: <laughs> Sums it up perfectly, but there's no coconut in it.
2: <laughs> uh, the football is changed. Do you know what we're talking about today?
0: Oh, lots of different things, I presume.
2: Yep, it's really exciting. You're absolutely right to be that generic. Father's Day is approaching. In 2022, if you're not necessarily good at keeping up with our episodes contemporaneously. And we thought we'd talk about footballing families and even provide all fathers, nay listeners of any kind, a gift. A select 11. Uh, So that is all to come. Uh, You can get in touch with the podcast, setpiecemenu at gmail.com is our email address. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube as well. Our subject today is based on more than one piece of correspondence, so we'll keep this section briefer than normal. First, though, from Mick Kane, whose email is entitled Semi-Clarity and you will get the word punnery when I explain the body of his work. To pew pew, dibble and grub. With regard to the excellent recent discussions over the composition of international squads and teams, although it may have gone unnoticed, the Burnley 11 that completed the 2-0 victory at Fulham on the 10th of May this year was as follows. Pope, Loughton, Tarkovsky, me, Taylor, Brownhill, Westwood, Cork, McNeil, Barnes and Rodriguez, i.e. entirely English. Now, it would be a brave England manager who selected that lineup in a tournament. It would probably be a growly, disc-bearded one. But genuinely, could an average Premier League side, but with the benefit of high familiarity and well-drilled patterns of play, actually reach a semi-final or even beyond? Many thanks, fellas. Please hurry up with the next instalment of Reachcliff. With the warmest of regards, that is from Mick Kane.
1: I take issue with the assertion that Ashley Barnes is, in a football sense, English. Is Ashley Barnes not Austrian?
2: by designation as opposed to by? Well, so football nationalities work differently. So you can be, you know,
1: nationality in normal life can be a matter of of birth, of blood, of location, of whatever. But in a football sense, your nationality is purely the country that you play for. So Wilf Zaha, in a football sense, is Ivorian. In lots and lots of other senses, he's he's English, obviously, but he's Ivorian. I don't know how Wilf Zaha self-identifies. And I believe that Ashley Barnes is an Austrian from Vienna.
2: Well, in that case, I would answer Mick's question by saying this. They wouldn't get to a semi-final because by fielding Ashley Barnes, they would immediately be thrown out of the tournament for fielding an ineligible player. But But this is something we're going
3: to get onto next week, potentially. Oh, Stephen, well read of the the messages. Ashley Barnes played for Austria's under-20s, so therefore
1: still qualifies to play for England as a full senior international. Well, if he's not, until he does in a football sense, he's an Austrian and not and I won't hear a word ab- about it. He's just, just an Austrian. But the broader subject of how well uh, club teams would do in internationals is something that I have been arguing on Twitter about and therefore is at the at the forefront of my mind. And the answer is that Burnley would do extremely well in any international tournament because international football isn't very good compared to the elite level of club
2: football. There we go, Mick. We got an answer around about uh, a a large tangent on Ashley Barnes, but we got there eventually. Here's the... Austrian (laughs) and Ashley Barnes. Barnes. Here's an email from Darren Leafley. Dear New York, London, Paris and Munich. I don't know whether my local Japanese takeaway is an avid SPM listener, but this has recently appeared on their menu. Regards, Darren Leafley in Dublin. He attaches a picture of the menu from the Hasu takeaway, which includes this item. Sweet and sour, squirrel-shaped sea bass. I've sent a message to you all with a picture of this squirrel shaped sea bass it's basically just deep fried sea bass does not resemble a squirrel even in the slightest but you're going to be paying 14 euros 50 for that so um i hope you all agree that it's at least least be worth the money
3: why does it being squirrel shaped which it isn't enhance it in terms of promotion sweet and sour sea bass wouldn't be what i would order
1: but it seems like enough information Uh, i find that all food (laughs) tastes better if it's randomly shaped to look like another animal
2: (laughs) a lesson we could all learn and finally to cody schultz who we've heard from before indeed last week and both have led to this email today about which the panel may well be divided so listen up gents dear f16 f15 ex f35 and ngad the next generation air dominance i've been thinking up this email for a few weeks but decided to scrap it until i could provide another useful correspondence however Hugh has forced my hand with his latest promotion for the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0, which used my email much to my surprise. It did indeed last week. SPM 230 contained the official reveal of all current buffalo, and then the criteria for being one. I was not on the list, and did not expect to be, since I had not been declared a buffalo. Then, SPM 231 comes out, and the squirrel designations are revealed, and I began to wonder if I could become the first to hold both titles. I've compiled a list of all my correspondence that has been used on SPM, with timestamps of course, as requested by Hugh in SPM 230. I have by my count six and a half contributions to SPM. He does list them. They are accurate. Anyways, I know I'm forcing the recognition, but I'd just like to get titles regardless of how little actual meaning they have, although this would be a great honour, especially from my favourite pod. I even still claim being a Guinness World Record holder two times for Team Distance Relays. Both records have since been broken, but I still had them at one point. Sincerely, Captain Cody Schultz, potential first Buffalo Squirrel, grey variant, temporarily in Fallon, Nevada, home of the US Navy Top Gun School, cute Tom Cruise montage, which we can't do, can't afford to do, can't be asked to do. P.S. The intro aircraft, you might remember them, are what the Chief of Staff of the Air Force wants to limit the fighter fleet to in the near future. NGAD is still in development, but will be the world's first sixth generation fighter, and the most advanced, which leads him to his PBS, squirrels have a special place in the US military. Anything that is highly classified is called secret squirrel. And since I am an intelligence officer, I get to look at a lot of that stuff, including what would imagine the next generation air dominance, which he might've told us out of school. I even have an arm patch with the secret squirrel logo on it. Captain, secret buffalo squirrel, gray variant, kind of have a nice ring to it. Um, so should we make Cody a buffalo, a squirrel, a squirrel buffalo, a buffalo squirrel, or because he's reaching, none of the above.
3: We'd normally exclude anybody who was applying pressure or trying to bend our will. But it sounds as though Cody has both access to military hardware <laughs> and perhaps even some sway with those fellows who control the drones that we can't see. So it feels as though the safe <laughs> option is to go, to go with it.
1: I'm, I always thought secret squirrel was a journalism term. I didn't realise it had an official military capacity. But it's a cartoon
0: character as well, isn't it, Secret Squirrel?
1: But but uh, uh, a squirrel's especially clandestine. Is that? They're
0: quite furtive, aren't they?
1: <laughs> the squirrels are quite furtive. Wow! You see
0: that? The way they run in that zigzag, you just don't trust them. You can't trust them. They'll have your face off.
1: The <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, furtive's quite a good word for squirrels. They do always look like they're up to something. Squirrels. That is true. That's because I... they
2: are. But that's a secretive squirrel. <laughs> that's different.
1: That's different. That's a different thing.
2: Uh, I feel like we're no no closer to a resolution. Would what do you have to like be
0: it? to be a squirrel? What what were the what, what are the parameters of of introduce, becoming a squirrel?
2: Introduce a tangent either yeah. a little bit force which is the gray variant or completely naturally which is the red variant. Oh, okay. Well, we've certainly asked asked gone off the the on
1: audience. a tangent. Yeah, can, man. We, man. Ca- can we use the word variant
2: less? It <laughs> triggers me. Yes. yes, I can understand that. <laughs> squirrel is not a Greek letter so it's okay. Um we'll 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 get back to you on that Cody but what we will say is that you're definitely a buffalo. How about that? Yeah. Let's make Cody a Buffalo. Congratulations, but, but Buffalo Cody. Uh, correspondence of any kind, seppiesmenu at gmail.com. Now, our thanks, goes. Hang on, hang on, hang what? on. What? What? He's Buffalo Cody. Buffalo Cody. Well, does this not, this, this offers us a, a kind
1: of, if, he, if he'll agree to go by the name Bill.
0: Buffalo then, Bill Cody, brilliant.
1: Then, then, we're, then he can be
2: a swirl as well. Okay, well, get, we'll we're, given that he's fairly happy with any sort of designation, he might be happy to add that to his name. Buffalo Bill Cody, congratulations, you are a newest and first of many things. Now, our thanks goes to Andy Kens, Ewan Hagen, Matt Broadhurst for contributing ideas to our subject today and also providing me with words so I don't have to write as many. Firstly, from Matt. While sitting in the waiting room with my pregnant wife the day before our wonderful boy Michael was born, I was listening to your wonderful podcast as I had unusually saved it for a day or so as a treat to help me relax and get through the ordeal to follow, mainly under instruction from my wife to just sit there and be quiet during labor. My brain went back to the memories of when I suffered from reverse nepotism. My dad took over the management of our football team, probably under 11s, I think, and everyone expected that I would be favored and start in the team each week. I worked harder in training as I didn't want anything given on a silver platter. I wanted to earn my place in the team, even though we regularly got beat 10 0 against much better teams such as Feckenham and Headless Cross, etc. I don't know if he's made those names up, but I love them. My dad, thinking he was akin to big Sam Aladici, brought in a point scoring system to training, and every week I scored consistently 9 or 10 out of 10. Our best player, Craig, would be his usual self, brilliantly skilled but didn't see the need for training, regularly getting 4 out of 10, but was always in the side come match day when I wasn't. It made me think about footballing families there are many examples so i pose the following question how does being in a football family historically having a footballer father help hinder or impact on a player's career what are other managers views of famous names following into the sport after all football is quite incestuous already i see that it could be a negative they are only footballers because of their dad would they have made it in their own right or did having a famous footballing parent open doors that otherwise would be closed or the positive view they must be good footballers because of their dad. What about siblings? A lot of clubs have signed brothers, for example. Are successful football families about genetic disposition or exposure and opportunity. So that's from Matt Broadhurst. Andy Cairns has this, the arrival this season of the son of Rory Delap in the Manchester City frontline, Liam, was the last straw in an unproven theory of mine regarding the offspring or close relative of previous professional footballers and whether it is their natural talent, an inherited skill set, or perhaps controversially, just plain old privilege that allows so many of them to make it. I offer for your consideration this discussion point on progeny and whether a son of may have better opportunities to make it in the game due to their family contacts as opposed to talent. Could it be that someone of lesser talent gets the chance to play the game at a higher level than their ability would normally allow just because they have a pro father or uncle etc. There are some glaring examples of those that seem to have made it with lesser talent but you might understand why it happened if they were on the sidelines in a development school game and saw their sons play. It could be that the clubs are willing to take a risk on a kid as it might just run in the blood and that they could become as good as their father. Now To Andy and to Matt, thank you very much indeed. Later, we'll consider the suggestion of our third correspondent, Ewan Haig, of a fathers versus sons select 11. But before we do, uh, we will touch on those talking points briefly within the emails of the first two on footballing families. Chinch, was your dad any good at football?
0: Uh, He was a rugby player, my dad. He was a, a, a lightning quick winger, a.k.a. the Black Flash so I got my, um, I think i got my physique. I was just thinking about my my physique and my youngest son, Dan's physique, are like my dad's, kind of stocky and stamina-fueled. Whereas my brother, Alan, is a bit wirier, and he's like my son, Sam, which is slightly worrying. But how they played the game, yeah, my boys were very different. Sam was a, a naturally gifted footballer. I think Dan was more of a, he was more of a rugby player playing football. But they both had talent. They They're, they're sporty. But I come from a sporty background as well, so maybe it's just, Something that does follow through a little bit, I suppose. Certainly, my family
2: does.
1: I I also have a have a footballing connection in my family from,
2: from your grandfather.
1: From my grandfather, who was was a a professional footballer uh, for Coventry and Birmingham City. So why
2: why didn't
0: anything get passed on? then, Do you feel?
1: So my dad is is now very ne- very nearly in fact he's just turned 79 so he's he's basically useless at football but my dad was very very good so he clearly the talent clearly ran down to my dad when you
0: say very very good did he play at any kind of level to back up your Al-
1: allow me to to fill in my if um, you could please my the context so he played for his school under 15s when he was 11.
0: Wow, that's impressive. Which is
1: which is decent. I mean, bear in mind this was like 1950s Leicester, so it wasn't. It's not like he was in an academy. Do you know what I mean? That wasn't that wasn't an option. The, <laughs> but then when he was a teenager, his eyesight went. So he got he got really short sighted really quickly, and that meant he had to wear glasses and spectacles on the football field are very much a no no. Even then, before the invention of the contact lens, and that basically did for him. But even when I was a kid, he'd very rarely w- want to play football with me, but. When we did, when I did manage to sort of persuade him to kick a ball around, he had what what I be- believe is known in the business, change as a cultured left foot. Oh,
0: he's a left foot. He I could like drop, I could, like
1: dro- him. could drop a ball on sixpence. So he yes. was, he was. A, whether he'd have made it, I've no idea. Could he open not. a
0: tin of beans with his left foot? Or
1: I, I believe he, go w- that he far. I believe he could open a relatively large tin of beans with his left foot. <laughs> a the vat. A vat. <laughs> he could open a. Um, one of those, like you know, the things you got to get the knife under to lift it up. Yes, yes. Yeah, he would open one of those. No, he couldn't. He couldn't do the full can opener thing. Um, <laughs> the what are they called? I've no idea. It's it's it, as we as previously discussed. When you play with somebody who's played at like lead one level or lead two level or even conference or whatever, you realise how much better they are than your than your average very good footballer. So it may well be that my dad would have been the the very good footballer for his pub team. It. He may he may have been better than that. I don't know, um, but he clearly had had talent that came down from his father. Um, that talent stopped after one generation. I would say <laughs> that it comfortably stopped after one generation. Um, but yes, it's a subject I know and I, I know a little about. Not from my own experience, but because I have spoken to many of the people who who
2: are footballing dynasties.
1: So you can tell a, us
2: uh, a little bit about what you spoke to Erling Haaland. Oh, uh, all the all the ones who play for Dortmund. <laughs>
1: Erling, and Gio Reyna. Gio Reyna and Munchin Gladbach, um Marcus Taram and their dads. I spoke I mean, to their the dads most, as well. Most, but most comprehensive
2: are, piece you've
1: probably ever written. There there are loads. There are there are currently there have always been plenty. So Frank Lampard, obviously, his dad was a player um, of of.
0: See what what was the thrust of your piece? Well, who are you who are you more is it the the next generation? It was to more? It,
1: no, I spoke to them all equally. Chinch. Oh, okay. And what I wanted to get to the bottom of I, it was it was strange that it was one of those pieces that I thought would I, I was a surprised no one had done it because there are so many now that I mean Liam Delaps as an example Tyler Walker. Mm-hmm. Is Deswater's boy. Yeah. Um there are there are, I would say currently dozens of players who George Hurst is playing who's David Hur- David yes. Hurst, former former Chinch teammate, David Hurst. Yes, o. yes, yeah. yes. We played together, yeah. Um he's playing, uh, he was at Leicester for a while. I think he might be at Ipswich now. Uh the Richard Wright's son is an Ipswich goalkeeper. Especially in the EFL, there's loads. And across Europe, Yanis Hadji, um Holland Rayner, quite a few. I think Z-Z-Z- at least one of Zidane's kids is a is a player. Uh, Enzo Fernandez isn't it? But there are quite a lot around Europe whose whose dads are players or were players. And it was the, the what I was trying to in, to get to get into and I thought it was a really interesting subject was kind of the dynamic of that relationship, how much the, the dads feel they have to separate themselves from from their their sons careers for fear of of kind of putting too much pressure on them, how much the sons resent the, the dads influence or having to live up to that legacy, how they interact with their name, whether it's beneficial basically to have that famous name in the long run, whether it, whether it's beneficial to have that famous name on the back of your shirt or or whether it can be a bit of a drawback. And it was interesting, like Ray, Gio Reyna said that he, a lot of kind of the decisions he's made in his career were made to separate himself from his dad. So he didn't, he was in New York City FC's academy and he didn't want to be part of the City Football Group family. And I think we can all agree that it very much is a family um, because, <laughs> because Claudio was a city player, so he'd always kind of be the other Rainer playing for for, for Manchester City. Say, um Marcus Tiram said that he wanted to be a forward because when your dad is Lillian Tiram, you, you're never going to be the best defender in your family ever. That's not possible. Just Lillian Tiram's one of the top, one of the best five defenders of all time. And Kefram plays in midfield for Nice. And, well, Kefram, yeah, his brother as well is a player as well, of course, yeah, and he's quite good. Kefram Tiram. He's um, rangy kind of energetic midfielder.
0: Yeah, I think my sons had the same problem with their father being such an exceptional defender.
1: Mm.
3: Mm. Was it, was it mm. yeah, almost certainly,
0: be, almost absolutely, definitely? Even though they've never said as much, it, it must be true. But, but, but it's an really interesting dynamic
3: previously discussed. It's impossible to go backwards from left back, though, Chinch. So once you box that particular position off, where
1: where can they go?
0: Y- you say that, but if you'd seen me play, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But the um, Tim Weyer is another one whose whose dad was quite good
0: at football, uh, part
1: of and, Lille's title-winning team. in and, France. Yeah, and an American, uh, despite the fact that obviously his dad is president of Liberia. We're
0: getting to a point. There's actually too many sons doing well
2: here. Well, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The one thing that also I never say that uh, George Ware's son is much better than George Ware's cousin, uh, who of course uh, played wasn't much of a player. <laughs> played famously for about twelve minutes or something. The one thing that, I, that even so that the piece I did the piece I
1: think it was last summer maybe two summers ago, I can't remember, and it it didn't get the traction that I had hoped it would because it, it struck me as being a really interesting phenomenon because there are so many of them. And the one thing that I, I, I still don't quite get is why there are now so many of them. Because, it, as I say, it's always happened So Lampard. It's not like, you know, Erling Holland is the first son of a player to be, become a player. There have been Maldini's playing football for Italy since 1733. But the... What, th- it does seem to me that there are now far more of them, and I don't quite know why that is. And actually, you, you, you hear quite often about sort of sons of players in academies. So Van Persie's son, I think, is in either United or City's academy. At least one of the Rooney boys is in, a, is in an academy. United, um, yeah. I remember hearing when I was working on Merseyside that Fabio Aurelio's son, the left-back, was had, had been enrolled in, in Liverpool's academy at the age of eight or whatever and was apparently an absolutely astonishing footballer. And I don't know quite why it seems that now it's it's happening so frequently that 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 players, kids are not only getting a place in the academies, but are, are that that talent is, is shining through. Jamie Carragher's lad is, I think, might be captain of one of Wigan's under like under seventeen, under sixteen teams, and is apparently quite good. There's it does seem to be a a relatively frequent occurrence now. I guess it's a combination of nature and nurture, isn't
3: it, that the the skill sets is passed down. But, but also, because there's so many opportunities now, it's an ever-expanding, I've seen it with my kids, so many opportunities to play football in so many different ways, whether that's with your local club, uh, through school, there's all sorts of academies being set up, especially around where we are in, in South Manchester, an opportunity to get to get spotted, to get scouted, that that thing of coming from a footballing family perhaps gives you an edge in terms of not only being good enough to potentially make it, but to have the mentality and the right environment and circumstances around you to deal with it going forward so that that greater faith and trust perhaps can be put in the offspring of a current or former footballer, than perhaps in an equally gifted youngster who hasn't come from that situation.
1: Except that the one thing that that pretty much everybody agrees on in 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 terms of youth development is that what differentiates those that make it from the the, the many many tens of thousands that don't is is hunger. It's the it's the sense almost that it's a horrible cliche, and it's. It feel you feel a bit dirty saying it, but that idea that there were that footballers come from the same places as boxers, where it's either play the sport to get out or don't get out that's they're your two, they're your two routes, and that gives you that kind of that desire and that focus on, on improving yourself. On because it's a cutthroat world football, and ultimately, kids of modern footballers shouldn't have that hunger. But if you've got that
3: aspiration to, because lots of people go into similar lines of work, I guess, as, as their parents, following their footsteps. It's not strictly a, a football or sporting thing. That is that a hunger within itself to fulfil the, the family expectations to perhaps even try and surpass what your parent has achieved? that that is a motivation that can match the hunger that you just described. I would agree with you that you would, you would assume that if you are the offspring of a successful athlete who has made a good career and has had a very comfortable upbringing, that you might not have that hunger to make a better situation for yourself than perhaps a a a child that's come from a poor background but if if you have got that motivation that inspiration and you can use that to be the thing that drives you forward can it be equally effective
1: yeah i i I think that that must be the pressure that 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 drives them on. That sense. I think partly it's the example that you touched on earlier. It's the fact that they kind of see from your age what it takes to be a player, and the commitment that has to go into it, the sacrifices that have to be made. And we should never, ever really. This, this is not a popular argument, argument to make, but we should never really forget the sacrifices that players make, minor and major, to sort of dedicate themselves to their career. They are. It's strange that we we talk a lot about that when the Olympics rolls around. The kind of oh, you know, you know, this sprinter's done, you know, done this, this, and this for. Eight years to, to to make make it to the Olympics. It never occurs to us to say, would you not? Raheem Sterling's made loads of sacrifices to be a top-class footballer, and makes them every single day. And that that can be kind of down to to the fact that at the risk of name-dropping horribly, I spoke spoke to Robert Lewandowski a few weeks ago, and he said that the thing that he dislikes most about about being a player was the fact that he can't go for a weekend away with his wife. You just you just can't. It's not like they're not allowed. My wife quite likes a weekend away. We can occasionally do them. Robert Lewandowski's wife Anna just doesn't get any weekends away, and that's not like that. Sounds like, sounds like a really stupid thing to complain about, but it does it, it. Football consumes your life, and players make huge amounts of sacrifices. She's a top-class I, athlete. Is she a um, martial artist? Isn't she? Is no, she, she's an, she's an, she's a nutritionist. But I think she's
3: had a background. Is close? Steve.
2: You're, his you're, his parents, you're very close. His, yeah, <laughs> uh, both his parents are, though. So if uh, you might have remembered that from Roy's excellent piece,
1: the um. So I think that that's having that, that, yeah, having that example probably helps. But I do wonder as well whether it's to do with, I, I, partly I think that, that that competitive spirit might be genetic, that that design, maybe footballers really like winning, maybe not Chinch, but footballers are, are extremely...
0: Winning, what's, winning? Like, what's that? Ups,
1: upsettingly competitive Is in a way better?
0: that... Is that better than a draw, a
1: win? It, it depends on the context, Chinch. Yeah,
0: okay, yeah. winning, let's write that down, winning... Try well, and do that I mean. a bit more. <laughs> I I guess also
3: that, that they've been dealing with the pressure of having a famous parent mm. from a young age. So that must be a good grounding in dealing with the pressure of being a professional athlete themselves. Carl Walker's son plays, doesn't play in the same team as Rory, but he plays for a team that plays in the same South Manchester League as Rory.
1: And there's always this is, I, this is Steve's son, Rory. I am not playing in the South Manchester <laughs> Children's League. I want to move up underneath He's
3: would, a big would,
0: lad, isn't he? <laughs> He's really He's good, got a beard.
3: He's ex, he excused <laughs> the minute they see his first touch though, they let him play on. I mean, <laughs> he, He's older than 10, but it's about the right level.
2: (laughs) And also at that age, they only have 10 aside. So Rory is on the sidelines.
3: Whenever they come up against the team that Kyle Walker's son is in, there's always a huge amount of interest in him as to whether he is going to be the best footballer on the side. And everyone's keeping a close close tabs on how he plays particularly so he's already aware of the scrutiny and the the pressure and the expectation so i i guess it's a it's a decent grounding going forward because the minute they become aware of who their parents are and what they do then they they are they are dealing dealing with that whenever they they play sport themselves
0: because I was going to talk about the maybe the relationship between the father and son as well, because the son, again, it, it must be incredibly difficult, no matter what you say in terms of hunger and drive and maybe not wanting to let the side down or the expectation of being not exactly like your father, but something similar to it. The, the fathers, again, their relationship with their, is in, their careers are over, but they still have to, and surely they must help their sons an awful lot in terms of coping with the pressure that, that comes along. So it's not just the sons themselves and how they deal with this. They must be getting a lot of help from their fathers as well to go through this process because the fathers must know and want the best for their sons and know that actually what you're deciding to do or have the ability to do puts you under an enormous amount of pressure and the fathers you have to help your sons anyway so surely their relationship with their sons has to be incredibly strong to help them get through what what is a tough a tough career choice to make.
1: I think it's it varies from parent to parent and family to family so I think that it depends
2: how good the sun is, I suppose. <laughs> if the sun's immediately better, like uh, Alfie Junger Holland must, must have seen uh, Erling Holland at the age of what, 17, and thought he's already better. But I think it's. <laughs> It's the understanding that the father has to
0: have for the position that the son's in. That's what I'm kind of getting at, and mm. I'm trying to help, whatever whether he is better than you or not, still understanding the situation that he's in and helping as much as you possibly can with it.
1: I think generally that that's how they how they maybe try and approach it. That so, Taram was Lillian was the, Lillian Turan was the only one who, who said that he used to kind of give instructions during games. Both Alfie Holland and Claudio Rainer, I think, took more of a back seat. Because they didn't want to add to that pressure, but I think that all three of them had kind of tried to give the benefit of their experience to their kids once it became clear that the kids genuinely wanted to be a player. It wasn't kind of someone who, who enjoyed playing football in the way that, that me and Stephen and Hugh enjoyed playing football. It was genuinely had that drive to go on and be a professional. I think at that point they they step in and say, these are the things you have to do.
0: So can you still enjoy football playing the level that you three play? Is it still... It's still enjoyable, is it? Because it must be. It must be tough. I mean, if, if you if you take hmm? recognition, you know, standing on the ball, nearly breaking your ankle every every couple of minutes. But the without, chint- without
2: adoration and achievement, yeah, what is yeah. there left? Of Enjoyment. The is, chinch. It's um, mm.
3: it's it's, it's pure to pleasure today. If, if I wasn't editing today, I'd have said a lot of rude
1: words to you right now. But I can't, <laughs> I can't, be, bothered, I can't be bothered bleeping them out. It's so You'll just have to guess what they were. It's pure pleasure chinch, that's the thing. Does it? Yeah. On the rare occasions that you do something well, Ah, you take... it's that
0: is that's what you go, yeah, ball running under your foot, slicing out of a play for a throw-in. I, I don't really see what the enjoyment is, but oh, when you do finally, you know, make a pass to a teammate, it must really fill you with such joy. It, it does, resonates. it fills
1: you, really just sort of yeah. make, brings a
3: smile to your yeah. face.
0: Yeah. The, funny enough, the... Um...
3: Farrar's a completed pass chinch is like yeah. you banging one in the top, top corner in the last minute. Totally get it. So imagine, imagine what that euphoria is like. All we need to do is successfully pass the ball to a teammate and we get the same buzz. Yeah. So yeah. Ask yourself, who's getting better out
2: of it?
0: That's That is true. That is true. Yeah. Okay. I back
2: down. <laughs> <laughs> There is, even though that relationship is is really important, that the, the the two might have lived or be about to live for the younger one very different lives because of the generational difference and because of the potential, um, you know, difference in class between the players. We we mentioned Erling Haaland; he he is better than Alfie. I'm sure Alfie would admit that. But but there are also those who are not as good, but might get the nepotism bounce, if you like, or the name association bounce that. Others, certainly in the team with the younger one, would feel a resentment towards. So there must have been cases where either because it's, you know, Carl Walker's son, everybody paying attention to them and raising them up slightly higher in terms of at least eyeballs and attention than perhaps their skill set deserves. That surely continues all the way up. If you, if you think about, I always think Paul Dalgleish, Kenny's son, um, I always thought that I wanted him to do well because of who his dad was, and I always thought that, that, that managers might give him a chance because of who his dad was, more than what his his just general skill level was, which of course was middling. So there must have been occasions where those those players have had an, a nepotism bounce beyond what they have to, to I, have at their disposal.
1: I wonder whether it does whether that does help in getting the players the early opportunities. I think that that coaches deliberately or indeliberately are probably more inclined to think it's worth looking at that kid mm. than if the kid is called Maldini than they would if the if the kid wasn't called Maldini if the kid was called Hinchcliffe you know they they, they they're not going so, on
0: are those the two ends of the spectrum is that what you're the, trying to say the, here those are the, the is opposite that the name you naturally come up with when you think of one of the greatest footballers has ever been. In our footballing families and a complete duck egg. You, we, we, you think of Hinchcliffe. We think, if,
1: I, if I'm Come searching on. for a name, that, an, a name that just took, kind of is imbued with a sort of clownish incompetence, <laughs> it is oh. it is Hinchcliffe. The no, I think so. I think early on it, it does help. I think there, there is, without question, an element of nepotism that gets you those opportunities and or allow, allows you to remain in the in place to have the opportunities. But to be honest, I would I would have thought by. 15 16s you, you, if you're not good enough though if, if that by 15 16s if you're not good enough you get found get found out I don't think anyone would make it even close to professional football on the strength of their surname I, ju- I just I, I can't see that happening but if if you've got the name
3: and your parent has got the contacts so they get that opportunity to put their child in front of the academy coaches mm and they do deem at the age of what, 8 or 9 that they they are worthy of a chance they get the benefit of that footballing education from that yeah. stage until that brutal moment may or may not come so they do certainly have an advantage over a, a child of a similar age who whose parents don't have those connections and that would be that's that would be true in our line of work if if ed turns around to you in his his mid teens and says dad i think i want to be a football writer then it's going to be an awful lot easier for you to reach out to people to maybe take a look at his work or or give him some work experience than it would be for, for a child whose parent isn't the football correspondent of a major international broadshe- broadsheet newspaper.
1: I mean, I, I'm going to take the compliment in, inherent within that, Steve, which is that neither of my parents were the football correspondents for a major international broadsheet newspaper, which means so, I did it all by myself and only with my massive white privilege. You're, you're the, like one of the Kardashians. You're a self-made billionaire. I'm am I'm a self-made privileged person. The, yeah, no, no, that's true. I mean, it doesn't reflect necessarily badly on the kids. And I suppose to an extent it's, it's inevitable but you are right that yeah once you're in if once you if you have the talent to get in at 8 or 9 i i think to a large extent from that point on it's to do with dedication and attitude i think that the the, ta- the talent isn't necessarily what defines whether you will have a career in football once you have the the baseline of talent mm. that's required to get into the academies because they can teach you a load of stuff. To be perfectly honest, you, you you're not going to be you're not going to be messy just because you're trying hard. But you could probably be a decent pro if you've got a certain baseline of talent and the right attitude and access to all the things you need to kind of make the most of that talent. Yeah, that that I suspect is where having those connections helps. And the other thing is maybe the example of of what it takes to be a player. I think that those two things probably explain why we are now seeing this this sort of surfeit of of famous surnames coming through again that and, as Steve has touched on, just the industrialization of, of youth development that every kid who might be worth looking at tends to get looked at.
2: There's a double-edged sword to that that influence of the parent as well, though, isn't there? Because yes, you could put them into those positions which get you opportunities that others don't have, but also that there is that fact that you have to be a parent, a loving parent to a child, and if you get them promoted beyond their means, and then eventually they get a bigger fall because they've had their expectations raised. And then at the age of 15, 16, it turns out that they're not good enough. That could be more damage to the mental health of a child than if you were being a little bit more honest with them throughout the process. So you don't want to necessarily, even though you're desperate, I would imagine for your child to succeed in whatever they want to do, if you are giving them outsized opportunity, comparatively to their talent, the, the fall is going to be a little bit more jarring for that child because they have been led down a slightly um, incorrect path, if you like, over the course of the previous few years. But we now bring in Mr. Ewan Haig. Dear sunshine, moonlight, good times, and boogie. As fatherhood is often discussed on your excellent pod, or at least the logistics of parenting are, I'm writing to suggest a topic, a father's versus son's select 11 for Father's Day, which I think globally, Uh, is on Sunday the 20th of June, rather than it being like Mother's Day, which is different uh, throughout the world. But anyway, I decided to limit myself to at least one generation having played in England's top flight, says Ewan, so no Cesare or Paolo Maldini. And there are probably many more options than I have below, but he asks who would win. So I'm going to read you the fathers and sons, select 11, that Ewan has suggested and perhaps you might be able to amend as you see fit, gentlemen. The goalkeepers are simple. In the father's team, Peter Schmeichel, and in the son's team, Kasper Schmeichel. Then we have a Bruce apiece in the back lines of the two teams, Steve and Alex. We have um, Juan Sebastian Veron and Juan Ramon Veron as midfielders, for example. We've got Mazzinho, who is the father of Tiago, also the father of Rafinha, who doesn't get in the team, uh, the Suns team of Ewan. Uh, We've got the Corks, Alan Cork and Jack Cork. We've got Frank Lampard and Frank Lampard. Uh, We have got Ian Wright and on the bench, because he's got a squad, uh, Bradley Wright-Phillips. We've got Brian Clough and Nigel Clough. We've got Johan Cruyff and Geordie Cruyff. We've got Mark Chamberlain and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. And of course, we have Alfinger Harland and Erling Holland on the bench. We also have room for Javier Hernandez, senior and junior. We have room for the Cliverts, Patrick and Justin. We have room for the uh, for the Rednaps, Harry and Jamie. And also, and I think this is uh, where he's slipped up slightly in terms of the father, Kenny Dalglish is on the bench, as is Paul Dalglish in the sons. The managers are, of course, Alex and Darren Ferguson. Any uh, comments upon Ewan's uh, fathers and sons eleven? And then we will come to a conclusion after a little conversation about who might win the titanic tussle of those two teams
3: well bearing in mind that george weyer played very briefly in england he did then, some four months no three months then that would uh that would get him in and therefore timothy timothy as well
1: hang on to so this has to be players who've played in england
2: one of them one of them one of the generations right. has played in england what about as the ewan's suggestion what about the inses
0: paul and tom
2: mm-hmm
0: Paul Ince. Paul Ince must get in there. I surely mean, to goodness.
2: To do that, you're getting rid of the the Lampards or the yeah, chamberlains. Why not? or the Verons or even he, Mazzino and Thiago. Thiago. Uh
0: Yeah, I would.
3: Ince's rather than Chamberlain's. That would that seems like a reasonable exchange.
0: Ince's,
2: yeah, yeah. Certainly okay. makes the father's team a lot stronger. Uh, mm, yes.
3: Exactly. Or are we looking for? If, or, or are we looking for balance? Are we looking to make this a competitive? Dads versus lads contest.
2: The idea is to make it uh, competitive enough to have at least a conversation about who might win. Uh, so the balance needs to be laid out. But if the, the father is better in all of the situations apart from Erling Haaland, then fine. What about Andy and Devontae Cole?
1: Hmm. I'd also throw in in defence Des and Tyler Walker.
2: Oh, yes. Yep. Well, we've got a couple of corks that we, we might want to pop out of the team, uh, because I don't think nice. they, necessarily, yeah, thanks, uh, they necessarily contribute as strongly as others that are being suggested.
1: At the risk of being controversial, does, does Scotland count as England? Playing in England is all that matters.
2: Do, do, can we change that to Britain? Uh, if you'd like to, yes. Does that get Georgie, to Georgie and Yanis Hadji? That does. That squeezes in Georgie Hadji. This is all it would seem. This is the kind of conversation that would promote the father's team. A lot oh, of off. youngsters going in here that would promote the father's team at the cost to the son's team. Because a lot of unproven talents you're talking about. Well, so you've so, so right. got
0: Peter Schmeichel, Steve Bruce, Des Walker, Paul Ince, Andy Cole, Georgie Hadji. That's a hell of a dad's team we've got going on there. But is it, hang
1: on, is it a dad's team as as they are now? I mean, they're all over
0: 50 well, not- now, Chinch. <laughs> <50. laughs> play now are they you clown I mean, they're gonna struggle to
1: get through
3: At their peak
0: minutes. they'd absolutely
2: batter the youngsters wouldn't they I mean they might them. have
3: they might have eleven players but they're not gonna have twenty two functioning knees no of course not. not. no
2: no i'm gonna I'm gonna focus on one particular part of the team and that is the front three because you and suggested that it's Ian Wright Brian Clough and Johan Cruyff and then on the same <laughs> team Erling Holland, <laughs> Nigel Clough and Jordy Cruyff. Now the issue we have here is that Holland obviously uh, gets in but Kenny Gleish being on the bench, would he come in for, obviously not Johan Cruyff, but would he come in for Ian Wright and Brian Clough or Brian Clough?
1: Might come in for Brian Clough. Ni- yeah. Nigel, Nigel Clough is quite an interesting example. though. Because Nigel Clough was was quite a good footballer and is not, but was I think he was always seen as being the sort of player who had a chance because his dad was Brian Clough. But Nigel Clough was a good player in his own right.
2: And Brian Clough, the, the comparison between the two is that Brian Clough had his... Very, very good and promising career cut short through injury. Mm. And Nigel Clough has had his reputation damaged slightly by not being as good a manager as Brian Clough. But on the pitch, Nigel Clough was a very good player. He played for mm. Liverpool.
1: And
3: Nottingham Forest.
2: And Nottingham Forest. I think I had more
1: success
3: with Nottingham Forest than he did with Liverpool. Yeah. Yes, true. Can I just throw Henrik and Oh, yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, we don't even need to expand to Britain to get Henrik in. You know, Henrik, and well, what's Snow his son's in, name? What's Jordan. his son's uh, Jordan.
0: name? Jordan.
1: Jordan, who is in the Sweden squad for for Euro twenty twenty?
3: He
0: is. That's right. Yes.
1: No, I'm just a bit. I think we're a bit short of defenders.
0: Have we got a left back? Are we playing a back four here? We thinking. We got. Have we got any left backs in mind? There no, is not...
1: no, no. Parent no. would
2: allow their son to play left back.
0: <laughs> no, but the, the father could be a left back, couldn't he? And then the son would clearly never, ever follow that path.
2: I'll be honest with you. Both of Ewan's teams, neither of them have a left back, a designated left back. Mm. So it's, who's, it's playing a who's, who's playing out position? Who's playing out position? Then I think he wants Mazzino who's a midfielder, to play at left back. Um, I, can, I,
1: I can get you a better left-back.
2: We have a left-back.
1: Uh, Danny and Daley
0: Blint.
2: That is an excellent say. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of the corks for that, um, but I'm going to keep in Mazzino for a while until we find a better central midfielder, because at the moment, the central midfielders are Mazzinio, Frank Lampard Sr., and Juan Ramon Verón. We're, to talk, think... we're putting Paul in there, weren't we? Oh, well, I thought he was replacing Mark Chamberlain. So, we... Oh, sorry, right, Okay.
1: I would suggest that, and this is this is my my own ignorance speaking. Obviously, Juan Sebastián Verón, obviously wonderful footballer. Juan Ram, Juan Ram, Juan, is it Ramon or Roman? Ramon. Ramon. Juan Ramon Verón is of a generation that we can't. Ve- I mean, I I, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him play in any way. So. I'm sure he was wonderful and I'm sure that people who follow, follow followed Argentinian football in the 1960s thought he was brilliant but we could leave him we could potentially leave him out and and although we
3: uh, we have those of us who worked in the media in Manchester at the time been told that we are all idiots and Veron is a in great player as dictaphones were swept onto the floor one <laughs> Sebastian Veron's best days were far from during his time in That's England. true. Yeah. So perhaps that is a is a useful get-out in terms of his inclusion.
0: And it will have to be the Schmeichels, but we've got um, Angus and Brian Gunn as well. That we oh, of possibly, course, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 so we yeah, can nice. throw those into the mix if the Schmeichels
2: yeah. are, are injured. Well, unfortunately, there isn't a goalkeeper on the bench yet. So, you know, to be, well, there we be go. a very well-constructed squad, we ought mm-hmm. to do that. So I think it, it, we have come to the conclusion that Ewan's team is fairly good, but we've suggested some uh, some additions that might help the team, certainly from the bench in bringing Kenny Dalglish in for Brian Clough, for example. Um, does anybody have any, any doubt whatsoever that the, the father's team would win this?
1: No, not at all. No. I mean, Frank Lampard and Erling Haaland give, you know, there's goals in the Suns team. Let's not, let's not, let's not beat, and, you know, Justin Clivert would be a, hang on, which of the Cliverts? Oh, Patrick Clivert played for Newcastle, didn't
2: he? Yes, um, that's right. They were on the bench, bench, on the bench. Yeah, yeah, both of them are on the bench. If you want to obviously promote either of them, you're very, very welcome to.
1: No, I just, I think, that, I think there's goals in the, um in the Suns team. So maybe if we allowed the Suns to play at their absolute peak but the Dads had to play when they were on when they were on the de, on the decline that might even So can't
0: you can't have Patrick on the bench and Justin in the team. Yes it, you can. Yeah as long as they're can both in that the Cuz okay. this I think this Suns team needs a bit of umph. So sticking with Justin Clive, get into this team or not?
2: He doesn't give
3: point. it the oomph that you're
2: on. Who's, who's in the Suns team up front? Who have we got? Up front, you've got Erling Haaland, Nigel Claff, and Geordie Cruyff. Mm. I mean, <laughs> mm. in a noise, Chinch, what do you think?
0: Mm. I, don't but think you know what? Be, I don't think I'd be quaking in my boots facing that uh, attacking trio. But Erling Haaland to say.
3: individually enhances the Suns team. Quite dramatically, he's the standout,
0: isn't he? Yes, along with well, Devontae. He helps Cole.
3: if if the if the if the balance if, if there's greater balance in the father's team up front, Haaland gives the the son's team a real focal point, mm. and in in many in, in many ways, quite literally, a fighting chance.
1: What 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 about if we were to to draft in Jean Zorkayev, the French defender, so that we could get his son Yuri into the son's team? <laughs>
2: That's, That's that that, that very much follows the Juan Ramon Veron argument that we were making earlier, and we would be very inconsistent if we were to do bad. that.
1: That is true. We'd be well, trying to fix it.
2: I I do like I do like the idea if they're going to play three in midfield that you that you would have Juan Sebastian Veron in his pomp. And Thiago as two of those central midfielders. That's, that's pretty good. That's a good way of starting the Suns team. We need a, a third central midfielder to maybe make that as stellar as the first two would suggest, because uh, we've got rid of Alex Oxley, chamberlain potentially, and Sean Mike Phillips is a wide player, so he's not going to work out.
1: Well, you, you could have the Rainers. That would be your other option.
2: That's true. We could put Gio Rainer in there. Certainly, yeah. his the prospective uh, ability of him, but yeah, there are a couple of those who you think meh to, and unfortunately, sorry, Steve, but Steve and Alex Bruce and Alan and Jack Cork don't fill me with no that much enthusiasm for it. <laughs> I, I think I think I'd rather have the Cliverts or the Red Naps uh, for that, but I think it was an excellent effort by Ewan Haig. We have. Sullied it completely, but we're grateful for everything that you've done. You and if you have any further thoughts on that team, um, which we will put on Twitter whensoever we get round to it, or indeed actually come to a decision, um, uh, in the coming Has, has days. anyone been
3: keeping notes? Because I know that responsibility will, I know, fall for me, but I, I haven't quite been keeping up with all of, all of the amendments.
2: Like There we go. I've scribbled a little bit, so I shall, uh, I shall let you Thank have Thank you that. very much. Um, but, but for now, it is time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. This is Nandy an Tells the Tale from His Plague of Broadcasting Days, with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed.
0: Well, this is a very, very recent story, and it's a, it's a traumatic one for me. I'm well known as a, a law-abiding citizen, but I've had a recent brush with the law. Now, this was not my fault. It was, it was a nasty robber's fault, a thief's fault. Who has broken into my garden shed and has stolen some very expensive strimmer, chainsaw and a hedge trimmer. Now, this isn't the story. Well, it is a story. It's a massive story. I'm surprised it's not the front page of all the newspapers. Mm-hmm. Cut off the padlock. I'd actually, because I'm getting so old, I thought I'd actually mislaid them. I thought, <laughs> wait a minute, I can't mislay three massive items of gardening equipment. And then Nikki said, I think they've been stolen. They've been stolen. They've been stolen. So I had to report this. And uh, I've never done this before, so I rang the local police station. And they said, no, you don't do it that way anymore. You do it online, you clown. It's uh, so I went online, and then I was rang up by a very, very amiable PC. Now, I don't want to give his his name away, but it, let's call him PC De Bruyne. He he was very, very helpful. And we, we did chat about the items that had been stolen. I, I gave him, sent in the receipts, and, everything. and then he said, what about Pep's team selection for the Champions League final, Andy? And I said, uh Sorry, it was a, a hedge trimmer. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what was he thinking? Again, was he overthinking his team selection for that? I was thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we doing here? But again, because of, of my magnetic footballing power, even over the phone to a police constable, he had to talk about football. He, he was doing his job. I'm not saying he wasn't doing his job. Very diligent, very helpful. I got a crime number very, very quickly for my insurance purposes. But he wanted to talk about football. And for about 10 or 15 minutes, we chatted about Manchester City and about Pep's team selection, and he was not happy. We did, we did discuss this, didn't we, on the pod? But clearly, I don't think he listens to the pod, PC De Bruyne, but it clearly we did strike a chord with how we were thinking about team selection and overthinking you know, it, and can two things happen at once? And yes, it's just again, it's just in every walk of life that I, I, I crash into, I just can't get away from, yeah, the, the stellar career I had and the amazing punditry and analysis that, 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 I, that I bring to the world. It, it, it's bringing, it brings everybody towards me, even police constables who probably really should know better and have been trained not to do that type of thing. Ill, <laughs> everything is being covered. I haven't been paid out yet. But if, if the perpetrator is listening to this pod, I'd be surprised because we don't really attract that kind of listener. Can I please have my still give me the hedge trimmer back you know <laughs> give, give me that rest. back I really need a chainsaw I'm always liable to take a toe off a strimmer <laughs> get a stone in your eye you know about that but uh, hedge trimmers hedge trimmers at this time of year I need them I need my hedge so please 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 if you're listening uh, yeah, please can I have my hedge just leave them just leave them on the driveway you don't have to apologize I don't need any notes just leave them for me please um, I think there's
3: plenty of evidence, Chinch, that the, the perpetrator is a listener to this podcast, because they would have learned from that your love of gardening mm-hmm. and the likelihood
1: of you owning expensive tools for the job. Is it, is it not likely? I mean, I'm no detective. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a detective, but I do believe strongly in Occam's Razor. Is the finger of suspicion not due to be pointed at famous architect Dave Jones <laughs> as some sort of desperate cry for attention?
0: Yeah, but he, he, did, he did move many years ago. But... I know, but
2: he didn't give back another gardening item whilst he, he was living next to you. Didn't he borrow a mower or something? He borrowed something have... from me. Didn't... I think I'd remember if he hadn't given me my mower back. He get he, you you gave I, him something and he didn't give it back, and this was a really? soccer story. Was it? Are you sure? We
1: were really struggling for content at the time. I would can't
2: remember what the item was. That that might be evidence for PC De Bruyne that in fact you're just very forgetful and have no idea that you've just mislaid no, it. it's so not that at or all. Or lent it to stolen. your next door neighbour.
0: They were stolen. Stolen, stolen, stolen. And I, I, I just, I've I had to borrow Liam, my new next door neighbour, who's a top chap, apart from being a United fan. I've had to borrow his trimmer, borrow his hedge trimmers. And actually I have broken his hedge trimmers. I've got to buy him <laughs> a new one because I've busted. it.
2: Keep your correspondence coming into setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Thank you to Steve, Rory, and Andy, and to you all for listening. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. Have Are, you, you, been sure? Victims Are of, you sure? Have you been
0: victims of crime?
2: I am. Um, I was mud
1: once in London, and it, it, was when I, it was in the days when I had two mobile phones. I had a work phone and a personal phone. And uh, I, I now only have one mobile phone that's been smashed to smithereens by Kate. Uh, and I've just given up the, the pretense that I have a separate work life and personal life it's just it's entirely a work life but anyway I got more it was quite quite harrowing it was at knife point um in an alleyway and the as they ran off there were like four of them and as they ran off I shouted leave me one of the phones basically that you know I, I wanted to have a phone neither of them were, they weren't good phones they were just not burner phones i'm not a drug dealer but they they were they, they were just kind of basic phones so i just shouted leave me one phone and it worked there's two of them had like two two separate muggers had grabbed my phones and they both put them down on the floor and ran <laughs> off
0: you got them both back
1: and so i got both my phones back
0: so what did they actually take then
1: oh my like my wallet and my dignity
0: yeah, you'll never get that back.
1: No, uh, and and my sense of kind of imperviousness to crime. They, they
0: didn't hurt you, did they?
1: They 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 had a knife in my back. They didn't actually stab me, but they, there was a knife in my back. It, it it wasn't pleasant. But the the element. It was a long time ago, so I can laugh about the fact that I did shout shout out. Give me one phone, and these these two separate individual murders both thought, yeah, he deserves that. To be fair. <laughs>